Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Let's, let me start open us with prayer. Father, I thank you that I don't have to do this in my power. I thank you that you... Um, you give us the grace, you give us the, the power to stand. And right now, I want to speak your words. I want you to speak through me. I don't want them to be my words. I want uh, us to know you better by the words in your book. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, how are you all doing? Good? All right. Happiness. Happiness is often defined as a feeling of pleasure here and now. Amusement, entertainment, gratification, euphoria. It's based on what's happening, happiness, happening. Aristotle said that men seek riches, honor, or health in order to be happy. Buddhism identifies happiness as freedom from suffering attained by overcoming craving in all forms. Hinduism has happiness as the ultimate goal in life. Some relate happiness with good fortune or with avoiding unpleasant experiences. Some say that the extent to which a society allows free choice forecasts happiness. Numerous short-term self-help interventions have been developed to improve happiness. The United Nations publishes a World Happiness Report. The Declaration of Independence states that it is a self-evident truth that our Creator gave people an inalienable right to pursue happiness. Happiness. Before I became a Christian... I believed that the source of my happiness in my life was the parties that I went to or that I threw. How could anyone be happy without partying? That's what I thought. And even though it took most of the next day to recover, I'd eagerly look forward to the next time I could drink too much or use some other mind-altering substance. But when I came to know Jesus and to understand his plans for my life, my attitude profoundly changed. I had tried to quit these things many times, but with no success. But now, with God's help, I stopped drinking and doing drugs. One time, after this, after this had happened, after I'd become a Christian, I went to a party with my old friends. But instead of beer in my cup, I just had water. What a different view I had. I realized that these weren't happy people having fun. They were just sad, drunk people making bad decisions. There is more to life than pursuing happiness. Right? So please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 42. We're going to continue our study through Acts. If you remember, Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. We've got a map. Got a and there it is. You gotta, somehow you got to make it go. <laughs> there we go. So they started at Antioch. 
They went down through the whole island of Cyprus, through Paphos, up to Perga. And now they're at Antioch in Pisidia, two cities with the same name, just to make it a little harder for us. So that's, that's where they are now. Um, they went to the synagogue there and, invited, and they were invited to give the people a message. And here's just a few highlights of Paul's sermon. He told them, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. The rulers in Jerusalem condemned Jesus and had him executed. But God raised him from the dead. And through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That was the gist of Paul's message. He's just finished. In verse 42 then. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. So there's something that's kind of looks a little different about this verse. If you're look, if you're reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, um, it says, "So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath." So what's up with that? Why why are they different? It's because the Greek literally says, "And they were leaving. As they were leaving, they were pleading that these words might be spoken to them." So it's really not clear who the they is. And so they've tried to make it, somebody's tried to make it more clear by saying it was these guys or these guys. But I think that it's talking about Paul and Barnabas and, and the people in the synagogue that heard the message. This makes the most sense to me because they were begging the synagogue leaders. They were asking, they were basically saying to the people who ran the synagogue, for the guest speakers, these guest speakers, to come back next week. Doesn't that make sense, right? So now, in verse 43, So when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. So wait, who were the God-fearing proselytes? These were the Gentile converts to Judaism. Paul had addressed them earlier in the last couple of messages. I think these were a subset of the people that were begging the guests for the guest speaker's return. They followed Paul and Barnabas literally and figuratively. So a lot, many in the synagogue had believed their message and wanted to become followers of Jesus. So the rest of that verse, so they followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Paul and Barnabas were urging them to continue. Christianity is not just a one-time decision, just believing that Jesus lived. And that's my first point. Becoming a Christian is a life change, not just an abstract assent or knowing some facts. John 8.31 says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And again in John 15 Verse 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. 
So they were urging them to continue in the grace of God. It's God's grace or unmerited favor that saved us and them. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the next verse, Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 2.8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So to continue in the grace of God means to keep believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and to know Him more and more, and to live out that belief in obedience to His Word. It, so going on in Acts, verse 44, The next Sabbath nearly the whole city assembled to hear the Word of the Lord. Although there was a good-sized Jewish community in this city, in Pisidia and Antioch, most of the people were Gentiles. And those that had heard the gospel the week before had quickly told their friends. Verse 45, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, began contradicting the things spoken by Paul, and were blaspheming. Ugh. You might imagine being there. Ugh. So there's these really popular guest speakers, and everyone came to hear them. The parking lot was entirely full, and we had to park way down the street. Our usual seats were taken. In fact, it's standing room only. How inconvenient. How annoying. (laughs) Paul and Barnabas are really messing up our Sabbath morning. My second point is, just because we're inconvenienced doesn't mean God's not behind it. But it's worse than that, really. The Jewish leaders were filled with jealousy, envy. How dare these out-of-towners tell the Gentiles that they can be accepted and blessed by God? This word blaspheme, it also means to slander. It's saying that not only were they contradicting what Paul said, but then they went after his character. Have you seen this kind of thing in our modern world, too? Matthew twenty three, thirteen reminds me, Jesus speaking, he says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. In Matthew 27, verse 17. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. Envy. Verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. They spoke out boldly. That means freely, openly, or fearlessly. It's hard, to, it's hard for me to imagine this in front of a hostile crowd. It's really a result of Paul and Barnabas being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've seen this before in Acts 4, verse 31. When, they, when Peter and John had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Going back to verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Stop there. They were answering the Jewish leaders directly. To, To repudiate means to reject or to push away. They were pushing away the gospel. 
These people did not believe that God had sent the Messiah to give his life as a ransom for them and for the rest of the world. They didn't believe what Jesus had said. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So then the end of that verse 46. Uh, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So this is a, a thing that would become Paul's standard procedure. He'd go to the synagogue of a city, if there was a Jewish community, and preach there first. And if they rejected the gospel, which they often did, he'd share the good news with the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Paul just didn't just share the gospel with those who were most likely to receive it. He shared with everyone. That's something that's important for us as well. We can't just share with people we think who are likely to become Christians. That's my third point. The gospel is for everyone. God wants us to share even with people we think unlikely. It's his spirit that does the work and knows people's hearts, not us. I have to confess that I am guilty of this. Deciding who's likely or not likely to become a Christian and then to share or not share the gospel based on my guess. It's wrong. Instead, we need to follow the Spirit's leading. Luke 24, verse 46, Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Or in Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Back in Acts, verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, the us is Paul and Barnabas, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. He's quoting Isaiah 49.6. God had told them, Paul and Barnabas, that they were to be missionaries to the Gentiles, to bring the light of Christ to the whole world. Just like Jesus told them in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus is speaking, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Verse 48, When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. The gospel is certainly good news, and believing it is a reason to rejoice. Paul would later write in Romans 15, verse 9, the Gentiles glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore, these are all quotes from the Old Testament, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing your name. Again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. So verse 48, when the, when the Gentiles heard this, began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as, as had been appointed to eternal life believed. 
This is a, just a reminder that God does the choosing and we don't do the choosing. Romans 8.29 For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and that these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Or again in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 and 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 49, And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Well, we've seen this before, too. In Acts 6, 7, the word of the Lord kept on spreading. In Acts 12, 24, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Verse 50, But the Jews incited devout women of prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. The Jewish leaders knew how to get Paul and Barnabas kicked out of town pull some strings, get the city's influencers to start a persecution. The Greek word for persecution here means a program or process designed to harass and oppress someone for reasons of belief. Paul would mention this incident later in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.11. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them, the Lord rescued me. Verse 51. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. They, they shook the dust off their feet? It was a symbolic action to show that they had given the people of the city a chance to become God's children. Paul and Barnabas had faithfully preached the gospel, but the people... Most of them, especially the Jewish leaders, weren't interested. This is something Jesus had told the disciples to do. Back in Matthew ten fourteen. Jesus is speaking. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Or in Mark six eleven, Jesus is speaking again. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. So we got a map. They went to Iconium. And it's not super far away. It's about 90 miles to the east. But it's out of the district that they were in. It's four or five days travel. But meanwhile, back in Antioch, the new believers were doing well in spite of the persecution that Jewish leaders had started. In verse 52, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the disciples, the Christians who were still in Antioch and the whole surrounding region, remember, because the gospel went out and filled the whole area. They were continually filled with joy, even though Paul and Barnabas had been mistreated and kicked out. How, how does that work? Are your leaders just got kicked out and unfairly just because these guys didn't like what, what they said? It, it says right there, it, the answer is there. They were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's my fourth point. As Christians, we can experience God's joy 
no matter what our circumstances are. Joy is gladness that is given by God. It doesn't depend on our circumstances. In fact, it's often the opposite of what our circumstances would dictate. It's way better than happiness. <laughs> Matthew 5, 11, and 12, Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Romans 5, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Joy takes a big view, the large view. Happiness is just for now. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Let's pray. Father, give us joy in whatever we're doing, whatever you give us to do. Let others see that joy and be drawn to you. I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for um, just revealing yourself to us through it. We want to be closer to you. We want to know you better. We want to live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.